0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. All right. Sometimes you just got to wear those stretchy pants, don't you, men? And so in recent days, in case you're coming in new, the first week of the series, we've been in a teaching series called Man Cave, in which uh, I've wanted to encourage the men in our church because I had the sense that a lot of men in our church were feeling beat down emotionally and spiritually. And uh, we really appreciate our ladies during this series because you guys have taken on what we're calling the pen challenge. And the pen challenge is where you've committed to pray for the men in our church. encouraged them through notes and texts, and then the instance for no nagging during this time. And we're really grateful for that one, ladies. I just got to tell you, um, and I'm thankful for your commitment not to nag. I haven't heard any testimonials of people, ladies, who have had the fleas of a million camels nest on your armpits uh, that would have been caused by nagging during this series. But, you know, uh, one of the things that I feel like today as we talk about the issue of empowering women is that I really thought that our country and our culture would be further along in the empowerment and fair treatment of women. But unfortunately, misogyny is uh, alive and well today. It's all too common in film In all of the arts, uh, some of you saw in the news how a big Hollywood producer is recently exposed for uh, his misogyny and uh, objectification of women. We see it also in rap music, like Eminem, who recently said, I'll punch Lana Del Rey in the face twice like Ray Rice in broad daylight and plain sight. And uh, that, I understand that in rap, you know, if a guy's freestyling, I mean, things just come out sometimes, and it's like, you know... uh, uh, just tongue-in-cheek, but is it ever acceptable to lodge into young minds that women should be treated like Ray Rice treated a woman? And my answer to that is absolutely not. And this quote from Eminem just illustrates that disrespect for women goes way beyond just equal rights, and we have a lot of work to do. And throughout history, some people have accused the church, and the Bible for objectifying or uh, oppressing women, and I think the Bible's a pretty easy target when you've never read the Bible. But your presence here today indicates that you're open-minded and you're willing to study through the Bible that we're going to do today to see how God views this issue of men and women and the battle of the sexes. And as a launching pad, we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Look at that passage with me. It says, in the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and what? Daughters will prophesy. And by the way, you cannot prophesy without authority. So these daughters have authority as they prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and what? Women alike, and they will prophesy. And men, here's the one idea I wanna submit to you today, and it's simply this. You will miss the spirit's power if your women are not empowered. We see the pouring out of the Spirit of God in Acts 2 there. And men, we will miss the Spirit's power if our women are not empowered. And so to be a man beyond machismo, you have to be a man who empowers women. And we're going to see the gender harmony as God designed it in creation. And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 26. Then God said let us make people in our image. Because you have the Trinity there, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make the people in our image to reflect us, to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all of life. And so God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and what? female he created them so the image of god is not reflected appropriately unless it includes both the male and the female expression of god so men and women were created as equal masters over all of life now look at the next few verses in genesis 2:24 this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one remember that thought they're united into one Now, although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. And this is describing the reality that they lived in in the garden prior to the fall, prior to sin, that Adam and Eve uh, could walk around naked. It wasn't awkward. It wasn't weird, you know, or anything like that. Uh, But things were perfect before the fall, this perfect sense of unity. And I really like uh, this chart that was created by Dr. Gilbert Belazikian, and he describes the way typically people will view the relationship between men and women. And the first icon represents the viewpoint that men should be an authority over women. And that's not necessarily the Bible. what the Bible teaches. And then the second icon indicates that women are dominant over men. And that's not what the Bible teaches either. And so conventional wisdom would say, hey, maybe it's the two side by side. That's indicated in the third icon. But really what the scripture teaches, the reality before the fall, was what we're going to see in the fourth icon there that men and women are linked together in unity, in oneness. But that whole oneness thing got screwed up, didn't it? Because they chose to sin and they screwed us all over, didn't they? Uh, When they sin, that began the battle of the sexes after the fall. So what that Uh, meant for you ladies is that you would have pain in childbirth so all the women are thankful to God that some guy created the epidural right because man uh, it hurts to have kids and for men uh, it says that it's harder to make a living and that work became toil so it's not so easy it's not just this free flow of creativity uh, flowing out in your lives but it is this toil uh, to go to work sometimes and even during this season of gender tension when men we're mostly at the forefront of the scriptures. I want to show you God giving us these glimpses of the way things he created things to be and women in places of authority. You can see that in Deborah. If you were to read the Old Testament book of Judges in chapter four, Deborah was a judge with authority over both men and women. And you'd read further in 2 Kings 22 and you'd see a woman by the name of Hulda. Hulda was a prophet that men came to for advice. And even during this time where it appeared that men were trying to be uh, more dominant over uh, the women, God chose to use feminine words to describe himself. And I want to show you a couple of those Hebrew words. One is "raham." okay? Can you say racham to someone next to you? Ready? Racham. And really, the only reason I did that is because I want you to like spit on each other in church. that kind of makes it fun doesn 't it? But Raham uh, is a word. These words are sometimes multifaceted in their meanings. in one place, it means compassion in another place in, in jeremiah, it means Womb, And, you know, that is a great picture of God, womb, because when you're in your mother's womb, you're only receiving nurture and nutrients there. And that is a picture of how God nurtures and cares for you and I. But the second word that uh, is a feminine word that describes God is ruach, and it's like breath, spirit, or wind. It's a, it's a feminine noun. And so in light of that, look at Psalm chapter 143.10 where the psalmist says, may your gracious spirit, or ruach, lead me forward on firm footing. And so you receive firm footing when you walk in the spirit of God. And so because of that, man, we have to understand you will miss out on the spirit's power if your women are not empowered. See? Now these glimpses of female empowerment, they actually continue as you progress through the Bible into the early parts of the New Testament. You'll see a woman named Anna. God spoke through Anna the prophet in Luke chapter 2 to prophesy to both men and women about Jesus and his coming. And so uh, because of all of this evidence here, we have to deal with one of those passages that appears to be misogynistic in the New Testament of the Bible. No doubt some of you have heard or read some of those just like I have. And I wanna show you one of them today. And ladies, before I read the text to you, uh, I I want you to just give me a little grace, okay? Uh, Because I'm gonna feel your temperature rising as I read through this verse. Look at it. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.11. Women should listen and learn quietly and submissively. Okay, keep the rocks in your pocket. Uh, I I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly uh, is what Paul says here. Well, in order to understand this text, like many, many other texts in the Bible, you have to understand the context in which it was written. Don't you? I mean, you have conversations with people in emails and uh, snail mail and text messages, and there's a context to those conversations, and you can't lift your words out of context because it would mess up the meaning, wouldn't it? So we say around here when we're interpreting the Bible, context is king. Or maybe today we could say context is queen, couldn't we? But what was the context in which Paul wrote this to Timothy? Well, he was in Ephesus ministering there. And at the center of culture in Ephesus was what's called Artemis worship, Artemis was the ancient goddess that was worshipped there one of the wonders of the world at that time was her temple and some of you perhaps remember earlier in the year when we were studying through the New Testament book of Ephesians we learned about Artemis here and you can see a picture of her on screen this is a statue that was dug up that was uh, there in one in the temple of Uh, Artemis in Ephesus. And as you can see, she was quite the fertility goddess. Um, it was also perhaps very hard for her to shop for swimsuits. I can imagine it had to be kind of a custom job, uh, there, but I learned a lot about Artemis from a book, um, by one of my Greek professors, his wife, who was also quite the scholar herself. Her name is Sharon Greitz, and she wrote this work called Paul, Women Teachers and uh, Mother Goddess of Ephesus. It's a work on the cultural milieu of the uh, the first century uh, church there in Asia Minor. And some of the things that she pointed out in her book and her background historical work was that Artemis would make no permanent connection to a male in a monogamous relationship. Artemis worship involved these priestesses who led orgies and magic in which men would castrate themselves in dedication to Artemis in the, the, the Artemis temple there. So, guys, listen. If someone ever says, hey, I want to take you to a religious service and it has to do with Artemis, do not go, okay? Uh, We could have big problems there. Uh, But then Paul would want to keep the Christian women from being confused with those uh, Artemis priestesses in that temple uh, because these particular women were uneducated in the scriptures, and they were very vocal, and they would need to be silent and learn before they would have the opportunity to then in turn teach. And I'm going to show you here in just a minute why I believe uh, that uh, this is just a particular place where Paul gave this type of instruction regarding women not teaching or having authority uh, over men. Now, there are teachers and theologians that disagree with me. There are people in our own church that will disagree with me on this particular issue. But I think one of the things that we can agree on is that when Jesus came, he came to restore gender harmony between men and women. Look at Galatians chapter three, verse 27. It says there, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have been made like him. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or what? Female. You are all Christians. You are, here's that concept again, one in Christ. Remember before the fall where men and women were one and unified in Christ, and Jesus is trying to restore the world to the point that it was back in the garden of unity between the sexes. In fact, Jesus empowered women in a cultural context because he grew up around Judaism that was very, very demeaning toward women. In fact, women in the Jewish context in which Jesus grew up, women were not even allowed to learn or uh, be educated. Uh, Most first century rabbis would not take on a woman as a disciple. In fact, there was a slogan amongst the rabbis at that day. They would say, better for the Torah to be burned than to be taught to a woman. There was another slogan uh, that many rabbis and Jewish men would say, blessed art thou, O God, who did not make me a woman. That's kind of inflammatory, isn't it? Then there was this group of rabbis that they wouldn't even look at a woman. So if they're walking down the street and a woman came up, they would look away or turn away. And they were known as the bruised and bleeding rabbis because they're always running into stuff or, uh, tripping over things because when a woman came by, they wouldn't even look at her. And so understand this cultural context. Let me show you how Jesus, uh, conducted his ministry. And we'll see that in Luke 8, 1 through 3. It says, Jesus began a tour of the nearby cities and villages to announce the good news concerning the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with somewhat women some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits among them were Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons Joanna the wife of Chusa, which by the way Chuza is a great bible name I don't know why more parents don't choose that one uh, but then there's Herod's business manager Susanna and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples you see what's going on there Jesus in a cultural context where women weren't even allowed to learn brings them in and makes them his disciples and women were were literally financially supporting Jesus ministry and the disciples the apostles and they were disciples. In fact, some of you know, if you've read uh, in the New Testament, you know that women were the first ones, uh, a woman was the first one to see Jesus when he resurrected from the dead. And so men, if we're going to get in alignment with the way Jesus did things, we have to understand you'll miss the power of his spirit if your women are not empowered. So I like the way John Ortberg sums it up. Does God like men more than women no does god like action films more than chick flicks yes he does i believe he does i haven't found it in the bible yet i'm still looking uh but i'll find it one day but it's all about mutual respect now remember we said that in one particular city in one particular church Paul didn't allow for women teachers because he didn't want these loud, boisterous, you know, priestesses who are going around castrating men in worship to be uh, uh, teaching anybody, anything from the word of God. Um, But in another place, he respects women as equals. Look at how Paul respected Phoebe in, uh, not from the show Friends, but this is the Bible, Phoebe, Romans 16, 1. I have good things to say about Phoebe, who is a leader in the church in Centria. She has proved to be a respected leader for many others, including me. And look at the way that Paul respected Priscilla. We see that in Romans sixteen three. He says, "Greet Priscilla and Aquila, who is her husband. Um, they have been what co-workers in my ministry." For Christ Jesus, so he's saying, this this lady Priscilla is a co-worker with me. If he believed they didn't couldn't have any authority, he would have said, "Oh yeah, she's an underling." And another thing that you see throughout the New Testament is the order in which names are listed is significant. So in the early parts of Barnabas and Paul's travels, they would list these two coming to a town. They'd say, "Um, "And Barnabas and Paul, such and such." Well, as Paul's profile and leadership grew and people respected him more, they would list it Paul and Barnabas. And that's what we see here where the scripture says um, here, greet Priscilla and Aquila because Priscilla was growing in her authority as a leader and a teacher in the early church. Now, here's another text that'll help us. Ephesians chapter five, verse 21, look at it. It says, and further you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's in the context of men and women uh, interacting in marriage. And so did you know, men, that the Bible tells us we submit to one another? Sure, there are other passages that say uh, wives submit to your husband because we're both supposed to submit to each other. Men, how many of you submitted to your wife when she was birthing one of your children? Okay, All of us did, right? She's like, why'd you do this to me? You're just like, honey, whatever you say, I'll do right now. I'm completely submitted to you. That is a wise man who submits to his wife in that setting. And there are all kinds of times in our lives when we submit to our wives, and wives submit to us as husbands. It's a mutual respect going on. But look at Ephesians 5.33. It says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must what? Respect. You can say it a little louder, ladies. Respect her husband. It's mutual respect. And I was helped to understand this from a book by uh, an author named Shanti Feldhun, And she hired this survey company to interview over a thousand men, asking men what they wanted or needed in relationships. And you know, the number one thing that men said they needed in their marriage relationships was respect, just as the Bible teaches. And what she found is that it means more to a man when his lady tells him, I respect you, than it does when she says, I love you. Did you catch that? To many men, I respect you is even more powerful than I love you. Uh, Furthermore, she uh, uncovered how a lot of women feel like men look so confident that it's a woman's role to bring them down a notch. But really... Um, when When you look at men, women, and they look so confident, you got to understand really the most frail thing in all the world is the male ego. It is frail. we just look very confident sometimes, and what Shante Felton said was that uh, we have this idea that love is unconditional and respect is earned, but she said it actually. Works backwards. Um, a lot of ladies will say, well, he hasn't earned my respect, so I don't, I'm not going to respect him. She says it works backward uh, that if you will respect him, he'll live up to the way that you respect him. But ladies, if you demean him, he'll live down to the way you treat him. See? So that's why I want to do this little exercise just for a minute. And I'm going to have you ladies turn to some of the men in your lives, um, whether it's your sons or dad or brother or husband or boyfriend or whatever, uh, fiance and just turn to him and look at him and say, I respect you. Go ahead. Okay, it's real short. I respect you. That's right. This is all we need. It's all we need. Don't start making out in church. It's all good. This is, this is going away. So check this out. Guys, our ladies just encouraged us just now, said, I respect you. And this whole series, they've been encouraging us. And I think it's our turn now to empower and encourage them with our words. And encouraging a woman should be done by invitation only. And the reason I say that is because I know that uh, sometimes there might be a guy, because in the exercise, you're going to turn to people and tell them you respect a woman. You're going to speak some love and truth into them. And there's always gonna be that guy that's like creepy guy and he doesn't know some woman but he's scoping out for like the hottest chick around him, you know? So he can maybe score at church or something like that, you know? So uh, guys, we only encourage a woman. If you see a woman around you and you wanna encourage her, uh, you ask for her permission first, right? Before you do that. Uh, Now... I need some help today because I'm going to need some music uh, to do this little exercise. And so uh, would you guys welcome our good friend Linwood King uh, to come help us with music. Now, as Linwood's getting set up on his guitar and getting ready, you got to understand that in all my talks, I present all my talks to a team of both men and women to help me with it. And when I ask some of the women on our team to help me with this talk and teach me about misogyny. I got an earful about the way a lot of men have treated them and warped their views of men and life and God. And one uh, team member in particular really helped me. Her name is Sadie Garza. And she said, you know, Doug, um, I I have, have such a father wound in my life The father figures in my life so wounded me that when I heard father and God together, those two things just couldn't go together for me. And I really didn't think so good of men because of my past wounds. Until one day here in this church, an older brother in the Lord had a prompting to speak into her something significant. His name is Jesse. And he said, hey, Sadie, I want to tell you something. He looked her in the eyes And he said, you are intelligent, you are valuable, and you are beautiful. And her eyes welled up with tears and it completely transformed her view of men and God as father. And so men, what I want you to understand is your words and encouragement is powerful in the lives of women around you and perhaps you came to church today with uh, one of the women in your life or more than one of the women in your life and what I want you to do here in just a minute is turn to a woman in your life or if you see a woman around you sitting around you and you, look, you, you think she needs encouragement ask her permission if you can speak into her life if you have a prompting to do so some of you, your mom's not here and so you need to text her like I just did backstage I texted my mother and I said mother I always see that picture of you in our hallway, and it just reminds me of how beautiful you are. I love you, mother. And so men, would you turn to your ladies and just tell them how beautiful they are to you as we listen to Linwood sing. Reasons why this topic of empowering women is so significant and important for me personally is because I've got this older sister in the Lord who's a dear friend of mine. Her name is Miriam. You'll see her in uh, the picture on screen to the right. And I think about what would have happened if her church had not empowered her to lead. I could point to numerous marriages that would not be together today, including my own, if my wife and I both wouldn't have submitted ourselves to her counsel, teaching, and leadership. And beyond that, you see the young woman in the middle there in the picture. Her name's Crystal. And when Miriam first started counseling and working with Crystal, Crystal was coming out of generational Satanism, satanic ritual abuse. And most of us will never know all that's involved in taking someone out of that kind of abuse, hurt, pain, struggle. It's excruciating and it's long and it's hard. But Miriam endured with Crystal and helped her receive healing and freedom. And then she took it a step further and Miriam and her husband Ray adopted Crystal into their family as their own daughter and Crystal will receive the same inheritance as the biological children and I thought that is a picture of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you and I when he died on the cross to pay for my sins and for yours so that he could adopt us as his children and give us an inheritance in the kingdom and some of you were brought here today by a loving God and look he calls out to you and he even does so in feminine terms let me show you Matthew 23, 37 Jesus says to Jerusalem how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings but you wouldn't let me and some of you for years have stiff-armed God because of the men that have jacked you up in your life but he's here to say today I want to protect you I want to love you But please, let me do it. Let me love you. And we can do that right now through prayer, you know? So how about we bow and talk to him for a minute? And maybe ladies, you just want to, uh, men and, and women alike, you might just want to talk to God and say, Look, God, I want a relationship with you. And right now, I'm admitting full on that I have sinned but I'm choosing to believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died there to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be adopted into your family. And I'm done stiff-arming you. I'm letting you come into my life, and I welcome you into my life. Father, I thank you for those that just prayed that. God, I thank you for the way that you're teaching us as men to empower the ladies in our church and in our lives. And we thank you for the way your spirit is moving upon our ladies to empower them and lift them up so that they can lead and serve and make a huge impact beyond their wildest dreams in this life. And we're so grateful for the way that you've empowered all of us in Christ. Please help us to return to the garden in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.